I'd like you please to open up your Bibles in the book of Psalms. That's right, in the book of Psalms. And I started a new series last week. And um, I have entitled the series, Psalms That Keep Us Singing. Psalms That Keep Us Singing. And um, part of my introduction last week, I said that the world needs a church who is singing. The world needs a courageous church that is singing. The world needs a loving church that is singing. The world needs a church that reaches out to them through the love of God and a love that sings the gospel message over them. And when you look at the book of Psalms, you'll find out that it is actually oftentimes a declaration of faith put in song. John Calvin said, he says the Psalms are the anatomy of all parts of the soul. So when you read the book of Psalms, it highlights almost every emotion that you could think of. As the psalmists go through life and they experience the disappointments, but they also experience the triumphs within their lives and there is such emotion that gushes forth within their lives. Christianity is not a, just a surreal, clinical faith. It is actually a faith that originates from the deepest parts of our soul and it gushes out in wonderful praise and worship to God. But about a third of the Psalms and the one that we are gonna be reading today is called a Psalm of Intent. Last week we looked at the Psalm of Ascent, which was Psalm 103. Today we're gonna look at Psalm three, which is a Psalm or a song of intent. And again, you will just see all of these emotions gushing forth from David, and David wrote the psalm. So a third of the psalms, 150 psalms, are called psalms of intent. And so we're gonna be looking at one of the psalms of intent. Someone else said that the book of psalms is a poem put to music. J.R. Packer said, Psalm three, is a complaining psalm, and that is what the psalm is all about. David coming, and he brings his complaint before the Lord. Yes, we can come, and we can bring our complaints before the Lord. And we, you know, that is how real the word of God is. You know, we can come and tell God just exactly how he feels. And that is what the psalmist does within the psalm. The beauty of the psalms is that it speaks for us. And you'll find that the rest of the scripture speaks to us. And so we see that as we take the psalms, as we read them before God, as we pray them before God, it speaks for us. 
Do you sometimes need someone to speak for you? Well, when you go to the book of Psalms, it speaks for us. And so let's read from Psalm 3. And let's start from verse 1. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will deliver him. Oh, sorry, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory and the lifter of my head. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake up again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. This part of the psalm is also a precatory psalm, which means it is a psalm where David says, bring vengeance, bring vengeance. And um, we'll put that in context in just a little bit later. But what an amazing psalm. If you grew up in the area of Christianity when uh, the group Maranatha was out and you sang from the what little book that was put together which was called the Maranatha Songs, you'll recognize the psalm which says, But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, the glory and the lifter of my head. Now last time when I asked for some of you who sang that song, I asked you to come and sing it up front. So I know that no one is going to put up their hand. (laughs) When I ask you, if you sang that song, you are the glory and the lifter of my head. For thou, O Lord, are a shield about me, the glory and the lifter of my head. Who sang that song? No one. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm dating myself a little bit, but, it's, but it's, I remember as a teenage boy just falling in love with Jesus. And um, on Sunday nights in the church that I went to, we sang um, through the Maranatha songbook. And this was one of the songs that we sang. And I still remember the man who, who led the worship. And the moment he, he said, we're going to sing Number three, we all knew it came from the song, you are the glory and the lifter of my head. Oh, you, oh Lord, are a shield about me, the glory and the lifter of my head. Where does my help come from? It comes from our God. And it is very similar to Psalm 103. Where does my help come from that we looked at last week? My help comes from the God who made heaven and earth. And so... When we read the psalm, it's great poetry, it's a wonderful song to sing, but you actually have to understand a little bit of the backdrop of the psalm to really understand it. Now, when you look at um, the inscription at the top of your psalm, the introduction, it says, a psalm of David when he fled 
from his son, Absalom. And it would be good for you when you have a moment after the service this, or during this week to go to 2 Samuel chapter 15 to 18, maybe from chapter 13, and you could read to chapter 20, but in particularly uh, chapters 15 to 18, and you'll find out what the context is. And it really is a, a, a sad psalm because we see that in the first place, Absalom, David's third son, leads a revolt against his father. And he did it in such a cunning way that he trapped his father, the king. And what happened was, um, four years prior to that, Absalom had killed his brother. And the beautiful thing and the real thing about the Bible is it gives us the ugly parts, not just the good parts. And we do see that Absalom's brother raped his half-sister. And a couple of years after that, Absalom just waited for the right time and he murdered his brother in a very cunning way. And then he had to flee. And four years later, he gets back. But his father is still in Jerusalem. He is still the king. And he starts to devise a plan to lead a revolt against his father so that he can become king. So what Absalom did was, as the people came to, the, um, to Jerusalem, as they wanted to approach King David with their complaints, he would say to them, no, don't go. And bother the king. He is unable to see you, but just pour out your complaints to me. And so he waited in that area before they got, and they started to pour out their complaints to Absalom. They started to put their confidence in Absalom. They saw King David as a king who no longer cared, although King David didn't know that was going on. And as the process continued, the people gave their hearts to Absalom. And what happened is that he retreated, and he sent message for the people to gather around him, and he became king of Judah and of Israel. And the message came to King David and he heard about it and the armies already of Absalom was on their way to fight against David. And so that's a backdrop to the story. And the Bible says that David loved Absalom. The Bible says it was like his favorite son. So you can imagine the emotion that was going through his life and through his heart. This psalm shows us how to deal with difficulty within our lives. You see, oftentimes we deal with difficulty through denial. We just ignore it. Other times, the difficulty that's in our lives, we will blame other people. Or we will play the victim. However, with David here, comes before the Lord, as we saw last week. In his difficulty, he approaches God and he pours out his lament before God. It's a psalm of lament. Like I said, um, it's a psalm of intent, but it's also a psalm of lament. A third of the psalms in the book of Psalms 
or psalms of lament, pouring our cries out to God here. You see, David was the second king of Israel, Saul being the first. He was a shepherd, he was a songwriter, he was a poet amongst other things. But he was tough on one side, but he also was very tender in other ways. And that's a great, great combination. Men, we must be tough because we need to lead as God has called us to lead within the home and also within societies. But at the same time, we must be tender. and We need to get that balance right. And we see that David was able to do that. And we see the tenderness within his heart just comes out as he pours out his lament before God. You see, when we start reading the scripture, we've got to understand that David had lost his security within his family relationship here. And a broken relationship with his son is one of the most difficult circumstances to deal with as a father. And so we can just understand the heart of David here. His son is leading a revolt against him and his son wants to kill him. David lost his security in his kingdom Absalom now was the king. So that scaffolding that held David up was knocked down and he felt incredibly vulnerable. David had lost his security in his morality. He sinned with Bathsheba. So he had no morality to lean on. David has lost his security politically. No more could he do what he wanted. He had no home because he had to flee. And so he had to put his trust in the one who became his hiding place, as Scripture says. How could David lift up his head? in these conditions. Well, he writes, he says, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? He calls out to God and he says, answer me from your holy mountain. You see, we all suffer, but the difference between people is how we suffer. It is about our attitude. David was in a very difficult situation. He had lost all of his security. But that had happened a number of times within his life. When he sinned with Bathsheba and when he murdered Uriah, he knew how to find his way back to God. And and I would declare to you today, it is no, not so much what happens within our lives that's the problem. It is how we deal with it and how we get back to God. All of us, at some time or another within our lives, sin. We mess up 
And we need to know how to step into the grace of God. When you read the book of Samuel here, 2 Samuel, from about chapter 15, David is so vulnerable that he's so insecure. He says to God, God, if you've rejected me, go ahead and kill me. Vindicate yourself in the sins that I had committed. But aren't you glad that God looked at David and looked at his life and he smiled over David even though he had forsaken God in certain aspects of his life. I'm not sure how good of a father David was when you look at, at the history. I don't know how good of a leader David was, although I think he was a pretty good leader. But the one thing that David triumphed in was he knew how to find God again. And this psalm teaches us how to deal with circumstances and many of them that are beyond our control. And this psalm also teaches us to find the way back to God. So the question is this, how did David lift up his head? How did his fire, he found his way back to God? Firstly, David called out to the Lord and he prayed. That's the first thing he did. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? And I think that ought to be the first thing that you and I do when we find ourselves in difficulty. Renus's brother contracted COVID. And um, when I came into church a couple of Sundays ago, Renus and I was talking and he turned to me and he says, Piet, my brother is really sick. Um, it's touch and go. And what Renus and I did there uh, with Deirdre, we just stopped. It was about 10 minutes later and we called out to the Lord and we prayed. And the good news is that he's going home. Isn't that good news? That's wonderful news. But my friends, this is what people of faith do. Irrespective of whether we've sinned, irrespective of whether others seek our downfall, we fix our gaze upon the Lord. You see, he had to stop trusting in the finite and put his security in the infinite and eternal God. No longer could he put his confidence within his position as king. No longer could he rely upon the love of his loved son, Absalom. His home was in a mess. You can imagine what was happening within the family. Broken relationships. The men who were faithful to him had switched their allegiance to Absalom and there was a small amount of men who stood around David and protected him. Ahab was one of them. Wonderful, wonderful man. But he turns to God and he cries out to God. 
I'll tell you so many stories about people within our church. Hanley had a year that was very, very difficult. Bill passed away, and it's today, his first year anniversary of, of, of doing his memorial. And then, in Hanley's family, there were a number of people who passed away, and very, very close to Hanley. Not just one, not just two. And very unfortunate, so you had a family dying in a motor car accident. Now, what does a widow do at a time like this? Let me tell you what a widow does who has faith. She calls out to the Lord and prays. My friends, that's where our strength comes from. Faith causes our eyes just to be lifted up to our God. Secondly, David opens his heart and he becomes vulnerable. My friends, we cannot play um, the Superman type of image or the image was, you know, I can make it through. My friends, you can't. Those people who make it through these circumstances are people who will open up their heart and they become vulnerable and they call out for help. We cry to God. It's amazing when we cry to God how the help comes from others. First go to God. Then let the help of others come and really, really help you. Psalm 3 verse 2 says, and David pours his heart, heart out to God. He opens up his heart, he becomes vulnerable, and he says, many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. He's talking about deliverance here. Shemai, which was one of David's men, had switched his allegiance to Absalom. And as David walked up the hill, without sword, without shield, heart open to try and face the armies. And as he was walking, Shemel was standing on the road and he started to throw rocks at his previous king. He threw rocks and threw rocks and threw rocks and he was shouting out, God will not deliver you. He says, you are not good enough, God will not deliver you. He was shouting, you should be ashamed of your life, God will not deliver you. They were saying the only one to deliver you, David, is against you. There is no hope. Have you ever felt that way, that there is no hope? And the very one who is the only one to deliver you is against you. When you have armies and people crying out like that, you can understand how vulnerable this man had become. But he cries out to his God. But I love what David does here. We see thirdly that David makes a declaration of faith that steadies him. David is a man whose scripture says knew how to encourage himself in God. And he says in verses three and four, but you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the lifter of my head. 
David uses the name Lord deliberately here. And when you look at your Bibles, you see that Lord is written in capital letters. And we see that also in Psalm 103 that we looked at last week. David uses the word Lord, which is written in capital letters. And in the Hebrew, the word is Yahweh, which is God's covenantal name. Isn't that amazing that he uses that word when he needs to steady himself? It is a name that speaks of God's continued covenant relationship with his people and his faithfulness to them. And so he says, God, I know that you are a covenant God. I know I'm sinful. I know that I'm weak. I know that I failed. But God, you are the faithful one. We've covenanted together. He says, you are Lord. A shield around me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. I think of all of the psalms when I pray for people, this is probably the psalm that I pray most over people. And I often pray, I said, Lord, would you be the glory and the lifter of that person's head? Lord, because you're the covenant God. You see, my friends, in the New Testament, Jesus Jehoshu uh, uh, Hamashiach is the one who becomes Jehovah God within our lives because he shed his blood. He entered into a covenant with us. This was a covenant meal that we serve today. We are remembered of, uh, uh, we remember the covenant that we went uh, 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 into with God, that we established with, we broke covenant with God and his blood reminds us that he is Yahweh. He will not forsake his word. He will keep us. Why? Because he cares for us. You see, the problem with our emotions is this, that when we are in pain, it is hard to get our eyes off of our pain and the source of our pain. And this is what David does so well here. He cries out and he says, you, Lord, are. Do not let your emotions, do not let your pain, do not let your revenge be your Lord. Fix your eyes on the covenant-keeping God, Yahweh. He'd be able to bring you out. He says, not only are you the covenant God, he says, you are my shield. You see, there were two types of shields. The one was the smaller one that you defended yourself in battle. You had the shield in the one hand and your spear or your sword in the other, and that was one-to-one combat. This is not the shield they're talking about. They're talking about the big shield that surrounded you. And that shield was a shield that you went into battle against the enemy. It was when you moved forward, not retreating, you moved forward. And David was talking about that shield, and he says, God, you are the glory and the lifter of my head. He says, you are the shield around me. And so as we move forward in God, that shield surrounds us, and we move forward to the enemy. My friends, as Christians, when we go through difficulty, let's not retreat. Let's not run away. Let's not seclude ourselves. Don't be alone. We need to move forward into that place where we become a part 
of the forward movement of God. And this is the picture that is created for us. My friends, God is not a God who moves backwards. He always advances. The church needs to be an advancing army, as it were. Even during this time of corona, we need to tell people not to run away because of their fears, not to retreat because of their fears, but we need to encourage people to run towards God. And the fear that is experienced will eventually subside. You see, lastly, as we conclude, David reactivates his faith in a deliverer God here. He says, arise, Lord, deliver me from, deliver me, my God, strike all my enemies on the jaws, break the teeth of the wicked, from the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. My friends, David reactivates his faith in the deliverer God. The word deliver means salvation and the God who brings salvation. One of the most powerful themes from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation is the theme of deliverance or the theme of salvation. That is God's prime activity within the life of his people and within the world is to deliver, is to bring salvation. He does that expertly. My friends, if you need deliverance today, if you need the salvation of God because of circumstances that you are in, my friends, there is no one better equipped to do it than our God, than Yahweh. Arise, he says, Lord, it's a military term. My friends, through the cross, God arose over every battle that mankind went through. Through the cross, he arose to overcome the devil and he disarmed him, the scripture says. Through the cross, Jesus arose over sin and he broke the power of sin so that we can walk free. My friends, through the cross, God arose over every emotion that would seek to hold us captive. We need to activate our faith, move into the promises of God. That means we move forward, not backwards, and we need to allow the deliverance of God to come. Is this still a message that is relevant to us as Christians? Absolutely. There's so much fear around, my friends. Activate your faith in a God who delivers. Because the gospel speaks a better word to us, that song says, because Jesus overcame all of his enemies by way of the cross and through the resurrection of Christ. Remember I said last week, the cross tells us that God cares. The resurrection reminds us that he can and he will deliver. Why don't you stand with me this morning?
And I pray that over the next week that we would be a people who will sing and we would sing the song, you are the glory and the lifter of my head. And as we sing the song, my friends, that we will rise above our circumstances by looking to God and allow him to take us out of those things that would seek to marginalize us, to keep us small. Let's trust him for that today. In Jesus' name. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we are reminded that the scripture says, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the lifter of my head. I call out to you, Lord, and you answer me from your holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake up again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, God. Strike all my enemies on the chalk. Thank you, Father, that Jesus did it on the cross when he struck all of our enemies on the chalk, when he broke the teeth of the wicked, because from you come deliverance. Father, when we are tempted to take matters within our own hands, remind us that Jesus won that battle for us on the cross. And so, Lord, even as David says, may your blessing come on people, Lord, because of our trust being on you, we pray for your blessings even to be upon our foes because Jesus triumphed at the cross. Just as we sing now, would you come and would you help us when our heads are down, when our heads are down in shame, would you come and would you be the lifter? of our heads.